You know, I, I forget, I haven't uh, sung in a while on stage, and I, I forget that these microphones, you know, they have these little spongy things, and they always get these little bitty fibers on them, and you get your nose on it, and then it gets up your nose, and you're just getting there the whole time, like, I don't want to look like I'm having a seizure up here, but, uh, so it's fun, but, uh, you know, I definitely cannot uh, render music as well as interchange, but I am thankful to be able to share with you today, and, uh, and we rejoice that we have this opportunity to be together. Amen? I'm going to tell you, I do not take that for granted. I don't think I ever will again. Uh, just the power of being physically together in the same space to worship God. Uh, so let's pray to God now. Let's pray together. Lord, let the words of my mouth, every single word, the meditations of our hearts, every single thought in our minds. And Lord, yes, every single action that we take in life, let it all be glorifying to you. Lord Jesus Christ, Savior of the world, and let all God's people say, Amen, Amen. I want to invite you to think about a question this morning. The question is, how do we connect with our community to make disciples of Jesus Christ? You know, we say that in our vision statement. Connect with God, connect with each other, and connect with our community. But sometimes it's a challenge to do that, isn't it? How do we connect with our community? So let's think about that today as, as we hear the sermon At one point, Jordan Childs felt very numb. She looked around her bedroom in Vancouver, Washington, at the dozens of medals, the rainbows of ribbons, the trophies standing in formation, all from a gymnastics career that started when she was just six years old. But none of it meant anything to her at that moment. Her mother, Gina, was shocked to hear her say, take it all away, hide it, dump it, burn it, I don't care, just make it disappear. She had had it with her chosen sport. That year in only her second senior competition, Jordan won the silver medal in the all-around at the national championships, stunning the world with an unconventional save on the balance beam. She was pegged as a rising star. Though she had performed well, she did not make the roster for any of the international events that year. Childs concluded, I didn't think the sport wanted me anymore, so I went in the opposite direction. After finishing 11th the following year at Nationals, she had firmly decided to quit until she had a talk with Simone Biles. Now what Simone did was truly amazing at that point. Instead of glorying in the fall of a competitor, Simone Biles noticed that Jordan needed encouragement. She knew that look because she'd been through a lot in her years of gymnastics, including even sexual abuse from the team's physician. So Simone was an overcomer. 
But she didn't just keep that to herself. She saw what she considered not another competitor, but a sister that needed encouragement that day. So she walked straight up to Jordan, looked her deep in the eyes and said, You're a queen. Using the same title that so many others had used for her after her gold medal winning performances. She then offered Jordan an invitation to move to Texas and train at the gym that she and her family owns. And Jordan took her up on her offer. The postponement of the 2020 Olympics gave her the chance to refocus and prepare for the year she's currently having. And if you follow gymnastics, you saw her compete at the senior women's competition of the U.S. championships. Simone took home the gold and Jordan Childs took home the silver. Now they are both headed to represent our country in the Tokyo Olympics. Instead of criticizing or condemning an opponent, Simone chose to connect and compliment Jordan. Remember those words, connect and compliment. This is a key move if we are going to go into the community, continue to go and make disciples of Jesus Christ. Remember how this all started? The disciples had locked themselves away in a room for absolute fear and terror of what could happen to them in the world. Remember their Lord and Savior Jesus had been brutally crucified and they thought the same thing could happen to them. But as they gathered there, notice that, that they gathered together, Jesus came and stood among them and brought his peace. Peace that passes all understanding. But not only peace, then he brought them the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And just before he ascended into heaven, Jesus said very clearly to his followers, All authority on heaven and in earth has been given to me. Then did he say, So build yourself a nice little building and stay in there. And hide away from the world. No, he said, go, go. That's why the title of this sermon series is Go. Because Jesus said, go. Make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And here's the best part. Remember, I am with you to the end of the age. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. Jesus saying directly to you, I am with you. Why don't you turn to your neighbor now and tell him that. Jesus says, I am with you. And again, Jesus doesn't just say, I'm with you for the next 30 minutes or until I get tired of looking at your face. No, I am with you till the end, the very end. And this great commission, that's what this is called, is the mission of the church. It's why we exist. It's even who we are. That we exist empowered by the Holy Spirit to go into the world and make disciples. 
It is what has driven the church for 2,000 years. It is what has driven the history of Central United Methodist Church for over 175 years. Go read the history. It's really great that these people gathered in this brand new community over 175 years ago for the purpose of making disciples of Jesus. This is what drives us as we go forward to make disciples. And if we're going to go and make disciples of Jesus, we must make a conscious choice to connect and compliment others rather than criticizing and condemning them. We see this in the scriptures in Acts as we continue our our journey through Acts. The Apostle Paul, leader in the church, shows this in Acts 17, verses 16 through 34. Acts 17, 16 through 34. While Paul was waiting for them, in other words, his fellow missionaries, Silas and Timothy, in Athens, he was deeply distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he argued in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons and also in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Also, some Epicurean and Stoic philosophers debated with him. Imagine that. Some said, what does this babbler want to say? But others said, he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign divinities. This was because he was telling the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. So they took him and brought him to the Areopagus, that is, Mars Hill, and asked him, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? It sounds rather strange to us, so we would like to know what it means. Now all the Athenians and the foreigners living there would spend their time in nothing but telling or hearing something new. Sound familiar? Then Paul stood in front of the Areopagus and said, Athenians... I see how extremely religious you are in every way. For as I went through the city and looked carefully at the objects of your worship, I found among them an altar with the inscription, To an unknown God. Hmm. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world And everything in it, he who is Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in shrines made by human hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mortals life and breath and all things. From one ancestor, he made all nations to inhabit the whole earth. And he allotted the times of their existence and their boundaries of the places where they would live. So that they would search for God and perhaps grope for him and find him. Though indeed, he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As even some of your own poets have said. For we too are his offspring. Since we are God's offspring, 
We ought not to think that the deity is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of mortals. While God has overlooked the times of human ignorance, now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will have the world judged in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. When they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some scoffed. But others said, we will hear you again about this. At that point, Paul left them. But some of them joined him and became believers, including Dionysius, the Arapagite, and a woman named Demarius, and others with them. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. To make disciples of Jesus Christ, we must learn to connect and compliment others rather than criticize and condemn them. In Paul's time, Rome was the capital city of the Roman Empire. It was where the political and military power was centered. But Athens was still the intellectual, religious, and artistic center of the Mediterranean world. The renowned philosophers Sophocles, Plato, and Aristotle had taught in the great school of Athens, the university of the time. And much like the people of our culture, Athenians loved to hear the latest ideas. They just didn't have smartphones to scroll through it. Instead, they gathered on this hill called the Areopagus, and they listened to all the ideas coming from every corner of the empire. This word Areopagus means the hill of Ares or Mars in Roman, the Greek god of war. And so they would have these great debates, philosophical debates in this place. But here comes Paul, this little Jewish traveling rabbi with a much different message to share this day. A message that was totally unique. The good news of Jesus Christ. And as Paul wandered around the great city of Athens, he became distressed by this city full of idols. Notice that Paul took the time to get to know his community that he was going to try to reach. He didn't just barge in with a message, but he studied the community. And as modern followers of Christ, like Paul, we too get distressed by all the idols in our culture. Amen? And there's a lot of them. A whole lot of them. But in our culture, those idols are more likely to be idols of unbelief, skepticism, cynicism, and uncompassionate cutthroat competition than those idols are to be other religions. In our culture, other religions are not the biggest threat to Christianity. But these other things are unbelief in any God, skepticism, individualism. This idea that I'm the only judge of everything in the world. In our culture, these are pervasive. 
Now, if you know me, you know I'm a big sports fan. I really enjoy sports. I'm striving, the striving in sports for embodied performance, the work together as teams. I, I enjoy it. In fact, this afternoon I plan on watching and cheering on England in the Euro Cup Championship. I mean, after all, my last name is Lancaster, right? So, and England has not been in a championship game since before I was born, 1966. So I enjoy sports. But I will never forget the day, this was many years ago, when I say this, you sports fans will be able to calculate just how long ago. Many years ago, I was in downtown Charlotte, and I noticed a 25-foot banner on the side of a building, and it was Alonzo Mourning, 25 feet. Holy cow. Talk about an idol. Wow. These are the kinds of idols that we see more often in America today. But notice what happened. Even though Paul was distressed by this city full of idols, notice how he chose to start his message to the Athenians. Did he come out and say, no, you Athenians are going to burn in hell? No. He started out by saying this, I see how extremely religious you are in every way. Wow. Even in this city full of idols, he found something to compliment. We need to really underscore that, to notice that. Because some people would have chosen the opposite. They would say, look at all these idols. But somehow Paul, through the power of the Holy Spirit, and his compassion, the love of Jesus in his soul, he looked at this city full of idols, and you know what he saw? He saw a hunger in the people. A hunger for the real God. And he saw an opportunity. He saw an opportunity to preach to them, to reveal to them, Something about Jesus. He chose to complement and connect with the Athenians instead of criticizing and condemning them. Now this was no haphazard approach. Paul knew exactly what he was doing. He was actually living out what his colleague, the Apostle Peter, advised in 1 Peter 3.15, who said... Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Gentleness and respect. Gentleness and respect. Think about how radical those characteristics are in our culture. This is part of what makes us stand out as Christians. To be light in a dark world. To be salt that flavors everything. And I'm so glad that you, sisters and brothers, choose to convey the good news every day with gentleness and respect. I'm so glad that you are strong enough to witness with gentleness and respect. Now, we need to be aware that our culture 
says that gentleness and respect are weak. But Jesus shows us in his life and in his witness that gentleness and respect actually takes more strength than condemning others. This is one of the reasons that after 175 years, Central continues successfully in its mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Notice what else Paul does. He even quotes some of the Athenians' own philosophers when he says, In him we live and move and have our being. That was something one of their poet philosophers had written. And the other quote, we too are his offspring. Again, notice that Paul finds something to complement and connect with with the Athenians. Why? Because as the scripture says, he is bringing the good news of Jesus. The good news, not the bad news. The good news of Jesus. The good news that God so hated the world? No, that God so loved the world that he sent his only son so that whoever believes in him would have eternal life. God so loved the world. And so therefore, we are called to love the people of the world as well. Gentleness, respect, Love. These are the characteristics of the followers of Christ. God forbid that the church ever be something opposite of that. But we've seen it sometimes out in the world, right? Preachers or Christians that, as my preaching professor Dr. Richard Lister used to say, they sound like they're mad as hell about the good news. Does that make sense? That makes people really confused. I'm so glad that we're not like that here at Central. We are joyful about the good news of Jesus. For we know that we are bringing good news to our community. You know what? We make more disciples by connecting and complimenting others rather than criticizing and condemning. My grandma used to say it like this. You catch more flies with honey than vinegar. You catch more flies with honey than vinegar. Think about Jordan Childs was a competitor of Simone Biles. But Simone chose to look at her not as a competitor, not to glory in her faults, but she saw her as a sister who needed encouragement. She chose to connect and compliment rather than criticize and condemn. This is what the Apostle Paul did as well. And as he connected, because he connected, he showed the Athenians who this unknown God was that they had an altar to. Now notice what happened. There was a mixed response to his message. There's always a mixed response to the gospel. Hmm? We need to go ahead and know that up front so that we won't be devastated when it happens. There's always a mixed response to the gospel. Some people scoffed at Paul. 
because he mentioned the resurrection. But you know what? Some others said, we want to hear more. Did you know that the average Christian has to hear the gospel at least 25 times before they're ready to accept it? So when somebody doesn't make an instant decision for Christ, we shouldn't be discouraged. If they keep listening, we should be encouraged that they're still listening because one day they may choose to follow Jesus. And some people choose to follow Jesus that very day when Paul was preaching. This is the Jesus way, who himself found ways to connect and compliment rather than criticize and condemn. The same is true for us as witnesses for Christ. Not everyone will follow. Not everyone that we try to reach will accept Christ. But some will keep listening, and one day they will. We never know God's timetable for each person's spiritual journey. And some are ready to accept the invitation to follow Christ today. So I want to give you some homework, even though school's out. The school of Christ never goes out. So this week, I want to invite you to, to challenge yourself. Think about ways that you can connect and compliment others rather than criticize and condemn. It takes some intention, some thought on our part because our culture pushes us to condemn everything that moves and some things that don't. But as followers of Christ, we can be so immersed in Christ that we are ready to connect and compliment to make disciples of Jesus.